Alright, hi and welcome to From Many People's Strength, the podcast that covers Saskatchewan politics and current events. My name is Corey and my pronouns are he and him. My name is David, my pronouns are they and that, and I'm okay with he and him as well. And we've got uh, quite a few stories to get through tonight, but uh, I guess... I'll try and uh, keep my ranting to a... (laughs) I I won't say a minimum, a moderatum. Yeah, there you go. Keep my rantings to a moderate. Yeah, that's perfect. I it was quite nice. Like our our most recent episode after a, kind of a two month break, um, there was a few comments that were pretty positive, and people were quite happy that we're back. I'm glad. I'm <laughs> so, glad. yeah, it's it's nice nice Sometimes to be I'm appreciated. Still surprised that people are listening, but I'm, I'm glad they are. <laughs> yeah. Apparently, yeah. some of what we say resonate, so that's pretty great. Yep, for sure. There Good are people who appreciate us. Excellent. There are also uh, people who really dislike us. So that's I guess <laughs> eight listening still drives numbers, I guess, or engagements. So. Yeah, that's right. I um, thanked the hate follower. Uh, I said thank you for the metrics today. <laughs> excellent. Good to, good to hear. Well, people will have to go another another four weeks after this one because I'm going to not be available in two weeks. So. If you're listening, soak it all in now. You've got another four weeks to wait <laughs> instead of only two yeah. weeks. But. Enjoy. <laughs> Fair. So do we want to right. jump right in? Yeah, let's do it. Uh, Regina citizens file complaint against Councillor Tarina Shaw over comments about Indigenous people. Uh, 47 Regina residents have signed a letter urging Integrity Commissioner to investigate City Councillor's conduct. And I... I think honestly, if this had gone out to uh, a broader audience, or like if I had had access to it, I would have signed it. I know a lot of other people would have as well. Uh, I think uh, Councillor Shaw has been. Uh, <clears throat> this specifically is talking about two incidences uh, on a January twenty sixth city city council meeting, or, or city council's executive committee. Uh, Shaw made comments about. Uh, Indigenous men implying that uh, they were sexual predators. And then the most recent one is uh, her comments regarding Indigenous me- people who want to stay homeless. And uh, yeah, uh, and she refuses to apologize still. So I think at this point, it's worth, you know, an official like, hey, this isn't the conduct becoming of a counselor. Yeah. I I am not... Um an expert on the council rules of order and all that. It doesn't. Right. It doesn't strike me as something that would ever result in a counselor being removed from office. Maybe it should. Um, I, but I still think with an investigation, you're going to get like it, it should the very least lead to a reprimand. Um, yeah. And my understanding is that they can't actually they can't remove her from office. Right. Yeah. Uh, the legislation. As sharing of committees, etc. But yeah, um, and ultimately, I guess, like that's you know, in a democracy, you, you know, people who are voted for shouldn't be able to be removed just by other city councilors, because um, that Fair. becomes a bit of a double-edged sword, right? You don't want, yeah, you know, five years from now, the city councilor who says something disparaging about the oil and gas industry to be removed by a bunch of right-wing counselors. Um, yeah, no, that's right. Like there's gotta be a little bit of, yeah, 
rules of order and all of that, but I, I do still think that um, the council needs to say this doesn't represent the rest of us, and that can be done through an official reprimand, that can be done through her not being chair of committees or even on committees. Um, right. And then I, I kind of um, went off a little bit two weeks ago, but then it really comes down to the people of Regina having to look themselves in the mirror and say, does this represent us? Yeah. Um, can yeah, can you vote for someone like Shaw and in good conscience look in the mirror and say, yeah, I'm good with that. This is what represents me. I'm okay with calling <laughs> Indigenous people sexual predators. I'm okay with saying uh, Indigenous people who are homeless are choosing to be that way. This is a thing I'm okay with. So Yeah, and, and the thing is, like, even... Like, that's not even, like, the only things she's done. Those are the things in the complaint, right? So, uh, I think, like... Those are the recent ones. Also implying that people who are gay are pedophiles. Like, this is is part of um, an ongoing pattern of behavior for her. Um, Yeah. And it's very much bringing in the... The, the the Trumpian rhetoric, right? If uh, if you don't agree with someone, you call them a pedophile. Um, yep, that's right. Or a groomer or whatever. Okay, so, uh, yeah, it's um, very much, uh, yeah. And like, it's going an extra step implying like that all indigenous men are pedophiles. That goes even one step further, I would say. Right, um, yep, absolutely. Oh, I guess implying anyone who's gay is a sexual predator is, is probably pretty, as broad yeah, a brush as well. So, yeah. Um, but again, yeah. it, it's it's on brand for her. So, like we talked about that two weeks ago when the story was came up, um, yeah. her refusal to apologize is on brand for her. And yeah. I will. It'll be yeah, interesting absolutely. to see what happens. And, and again, I think Tarina Shaw has shown everyone who she is. The bigger question is: Will voters of Regina admit to themselves who they are if they choose to vote for her? Yeah, that's and right. some will. Like it, some, some will be okay with it. Um, I was really reading an unrelated article recently, and it talked about how one of the the biggest problems with satirizing fascism is that the supporters of fascism like that shit. Like, yeah, the idea of um, Donald Trump shooting someone on Fifth Avenue, not losing any support, like they think that would be a sign of power. Um, yeah. you, you watch shows like The Boys or whatnot, where you have these over-the-top representations of totalitarianism and fascism, <laughs> and you still have people like, "Yeah, that's cool, that's awesome, that's a sign of strength." So you're going to really have people, stuck it to the Wokies. <laughs> yeah, and you're going to have people who support Shaw who are that, who are that. You're going to have a portion yeah. of the population who really do think, "Yeah, she's speaking truth to power. She, she honestly, be- like, it's true that this is, yeah. you know, all these things about Indigenous people. She's just the only one brave enough to say it out loud, and we're we're happy." Like go team racist um but i think where i i i hope there is some soul searching are the people who aren't at that level but are at the who up until this point have been doing no no you're just overreacting um the people who who talk about trump derangement syndrome or harper derangement syndrome or derangement so basically anytime you don't like a conservative (laughs) they tell you it's just you know, a derangement you've chosen not to like. You've <laughs> chosen not to like them because you're crazy as opposed to have honest, you know, disagreement with policy. Um, yeah, with their trucks and cars filled with stickers saying fuck Trudeau. Right. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Um, so you're going to, like, 
I think it's only a matter of time before we start hearing, you know, um, Shaw, Tarina Shaw derangement syndrome in Regina, right? Like there's going right. to be someone out there who starts going, oh, you're just bringing this stuff up because you're obsessed with her. I'm like, but again, no, it's that- she's legitimately racist and <laughs> shitty. <laughs> but again, I think the, the, the critical yeah. point will be the people who aren't at that level, but are, have sort of all along gone, you know, yeah. she's not that bad. You're making a mountain out of a molehill. You're taking things out of context. You know, she's not really all that bad. You know, she just misspoke. I think when this stuff piles up, when it adds up, I'm hoping that they can go, okay, wait, no, she really is as bad. I, I, I always talk about the, can you look your grandkids in the eye, right? You know, they, right. can they reach the point where they go, yeah, no, I, I, I can't in good conscience vote for this person. Um, yeah. So we'll see what happens. We'll not, take, we're still in the sure. way from an election, so we'll see what everyone's forgotten by that. Yeah, that's right. And I'm not entirely sure what the uh, the makeup of her ward is. Like, I'm not sure if it's like a, a mostly elderly folks or if it's like a, a mix of age groups and whatnot. I don't know, but. We'll be interested <laughs> to see where this story goes, but I don't know. Yep. Sort of, I, I yeah, I, I don't see it being a major thing. My my guess is either they will look into it, they will decide not to do a formal investigation, or there will be a formal investigation that leads to a reprimand of some kind. Right? Yeah, yeah. It'd be a it'll be a far cry before uh, any. Well, like you say, they le- legally can't remove her, so it's got to be something else. But yeah. See what it is. Saskatchewan finance minister spent $8,000 on a private plane to attend a commerce lunch. Um, So uh, the whole province knows about this at this point. Yeah. (laughs) This uh, was a pre-budget meetings and lunches and whatnot. Uh, The reason the, the, the government gave for this travel was we have to go around the province uh, promoting the budget. (laughs) So, that was the justification that John Gormley gave when he said, if you just think they're not going to do that, then you're living in not La La Land. <laughs> so, <laughs> so yeah. to me, uh, these things can be done via Zoom these days. <laughs> yeah. You don't have to literally travel to these places. Um, and uh, NDP representative uh, Carla Beck <laughs> uh was driving to various towns and demonstrating that one could do this via car. Yeah. <laughs> so, so that's, I, I don't know how much more. <laughs> yeah. It's a, it's a, it's a story. All right. And like, yeah. at the end of the day, like there are going to be added expenses for politicians. And I, I, I True. think I, I, would, I was trying to be as neutral as I could on this one because like, we, we know a lot of times that there are stories come out about um, quote unquote wasteful government expenditure that really aren't as bad as they get made out to be. Um, right. So I, I tried to. Yeah, no, that's fair. Yeah, I, I tried to take it with a bit of a grain of salt because, okay, you know, politicians do need to travel to, to places like North. Like I do want um, our political leaders to travel to parts of the province that aren't just Regina and Saskatoon. Um, yep. Quite frankly, yep. I think it would be great if we heard more of 
um, not just them traveling to conservative strongholds, but also traveling <laughs> up north. And yeah, you know, I, I'd love to hear about you know them flying into Stony Rapids, Stony Rapids, or um, you know Lac La Ronge or whatever, and actually like going out to neighboring reserves yeah. and you know looking at the drinking water situation in in many of the the places in northern saskatchewan that are on boil water advisories and getting to talk to people face to face yeah but it always seems like when there's these big pork barrel expenditures it's to the chamber of commerce <laughs> in a conservative stronghold yeah um so I know, and, I know, I'm yeah. biased, but I literally don't care what the Chamber of Commerce anywhere says. <laughs> like, I, See, I, I do. That I do. <laughs> like, so this is where you and I are, are on a bit of a yeah. different end of the spectrum. Um, yeah. I think they, you know, it, I, I think the Chamber of Commerce actually does serve um, a, <laughs> a, a valuable, has a valuable role to play in society. Um, but it's okay. to the exclusion of other <laughs> and again, cars exist. Um yeah. like yeah. for for a government that's pretty pro-oil and gas, um, maybe do a four-hour drive isn't the end of the world. Uh right. And like, yes, but our politicians' times are valuable and, and you know, where is she, you know, spending her time otherwise and whatnot. But also <laughs> like how much time did she actually save? Because like two hours, a, I think. <laughs> it's a private, it's a four hour drive. So it's eight hours drive there and back. So eight hours of driving. Yeah. You know what? I also don't like spending eight hours in a car if I don't have to. Yeah. And it's a private plane. So she's not having to necessarily go through security and all of that, but you're still dealing with drive. And I'm assuming she left from Regina, not from Saskatoon. I didn't even look. If it's from Saskatoon, then it's even more unexcusable. Um, <laughs> right. But like, um, yeah, yeah, no, it is Regina. I, um, yeah. It says Regina here. So you're dealing with yeah, good you know, spirit air service in Regina. Your yeah. drive to the airport, you're waiting for takeoff and landing, your clearance, your this, that, and the other thing, your arrival at the other end, your time on the tarmac. Like, I'm guessing when all is said and done, she probably still had about and then the time in the air, you know, right. two to three hours each direction between driving to the airport, parking, da 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 So she probably saved two to four <laughs> hours in total, maybe? <laughs> yeah, two um, to four. Yeah. yeah. Like, get up at 7, drive, get there by 11, you can have your lunch, do your glad yep. handing, drive home, spend the night in Saskatoon, like... Sure. I've driven to, from Regina to Edmonton after work on a Friday. She can drive yep. <laughs> from yep. Regina to North Battleford when she's dedicated the day to it. Um, yeah. And because I'm guessing if there was an important meeting she had to be back for in Regina, that would have been mentioned 37 times a day. Oh, for sure. Right. Since yeah. the story came out. Right. Yeah, that's right. Um, so, yeah. We're, I want to say like, we're covering this because we cover this sort of thing. And, but as an uh, individual citizen, this sort of stuff just flies completely under my radar. Like, I do not, I know that governments waste money and I don't care. Like, I have other ideological issues <laughs> against the conservative parties, uh, but, uh, I, but this became such a big thing within the province and it was covered by all the media outlets including John Gormley, which I, I happened to hear for some reason. 
<laughs> so, so, uh, I, I, I've, on top of this being a show about Saskatchewan news and, and current events and stuff, this had to be ha- uh, covered at some point, right? But yeah, just in general, I don't, I, I wouldn't have even noticed this, honestly. <laughs> and it is a drop in the bucket in the grand scheme of things, but it, it does speak to, um, it, it does speak to the hypocrisy. And I think we talk about that a lot. Um, and, and I think rightly so, that this is exactly the type of thing where something that is a small fraction of this, when done by a more left-leaning party, gets blown in <laughs> giant. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, we, we talk about that, um, you know, the Justin Trudeau spent a portion of the prime ministerial discretionary budget on uh, child care and how that's so wasteful. Um, right. But then the same people who think that spending money on childcare is wasteful don't have a problem with this. Also right. didn't have a problem that the budget he slapped, like the, the, the funding Trudeau slashed to get a childcare budget came from a personal stylist. Like Harper allocated that to a personal stylist. Right. Joe chose not to have a personal stylist and instead chose childcare, but that was considered wasteful. But an eight thousand dollar <laughs> flight to a place that's within driving distance is not right. Um, yeah, like it, it's or like the famous one is the the sixteen dollar muffins that uh, was in the states the one time that was blown into this huge thing, <laughs> and there were giant posters on the Senate floor. And what it turned out was the breakfast instead of being titled breakfast on the um, uh, invoice got titled muffins. Like it was. Right. A bunch of people at a conference were given a breakfast because they were scientists that were flown in from around the country. They were given a breakfast at the conference that they were flown in for, but it got labeled as muffins <laughs> on an invoice. And that was considered super incredibly wasteful. Right. But then $8,000 flights when you could just. It's drive. not. Yeah. <laughs> so that, that, that's what gets yeah. me is the hypocrisy of, right? It's the, the same yeah. people who, if the next time an NDP government is in power, we're going to hear about how when the NDP prime or premier flew to Ottawa, he didn't fly coach, right? Like, right, we're right. going to hear about it the other direction, and he wasted, yeah. you know, he wasted five hundred dollars on a private or eight thousand dollars on a private plane to Ottawa when he could have right. just flown coach. Yeah, um, you know, these are the things that we're going to hear about, um, and. and <sighs> I think it's good to bring it up now so that we have that yeah. in our memory on. No, no. Wait a second. Yeah. No, you actually are wrong here. Yeah. So, no, that's yeah, we can certainly move on from it. I, I <laughs> made my case why it's important to pay attention to, but you're right. As, a, as an everyday citizen, I probably wouldn't pay that much attention most of the time. <laughs> as a quote unquote pundit, I, I have an opinion, but <laughs> as, a, as a regular dude, like I could not give a shit. Like, <laughs> uh, all right. On to something I do give a shit about. Yeah. So, Assaulted in an unprovoked attack in front of his young daughter, uh, Colby Tutusi, Tutusis, sorry, uh, 40, says three men attacked him in Battleford when he was dropping off a trailer at a friend's house on Sunday evening. That's uh, uh, the Sunday before July 19th. So the last night that we recorded podcast, actually. Uh, yeah, they said that they were looking for a stolen phone and he uh, and demanded that he give it back. 
he he thought he was going to help them. He, he was going to talk to some people that he thought maybe that was the direction they were headed. And they assaulted him. And now one man is charged in this assault yeah. uh, and is scheduled to appear in court on uh, August 22nd. And if I'm so, not mistaken, he's being charged with simple assault, not aggravated assault. Um, and only one person is being charged and they're yes. not treating it as a hate crime. Which is bizarre. The police are saying it. they don't feel it was racially motivated. This isn't yeah, specifically outlined here, but it, yeah, if you look at the very <sighs> yeah. order, they're saying it's not racially motivated and they're only charging one and they're not treating it as aggravated assault. So when people <sighs> reply to those of us who are police abolitionists or believe in defunding the police with things like, well, what would you do when blah, 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 blah happens and there's no police? What the fuck are they doing now? That's right. Right? Like, they didn't prevent the attack. The attackers did not seem in any way, shape, or form worried about the police doing anything to them when they decided to go vigilante, when they decided that, oh, they saw an Indigenous person, so this must be the person that stole the cell phone. All accounts seem to indicate that Tatusis didn't steal the cell phone, but quite no, frankly, even right. if he fucking did, I don't care. No. Um, you don't get to assault people for theft. Like that's actually not part of our our laws. <laughs> it's not a thing you get to do. <laughs> it's it's really bizarre to me. Like the same people who uh, who will say my body, my choice about a vaccination will also be in favor of assaulting somebody who has committed a very minor crime or is merely suspected of susp- committing a minor crime. Like we. I don't have a lot of faith in the justice system, but the point of it is that you get arrested based on suspicion, you get charged, you go to court, and you are determined your guilt or innocence. And that is how it's supposed... Like, you don't just get to go and beat the shit out of somebody and assume that they're guilty. It drives me crazy that this is, like, the way that people view our society now. Like, it's just... The laws are the way that I want them to be all the time. And... (laughs) And... Fuck anybody that suffers. And Tatusis' brother makes a good point that, like, this is what happened when it's filmed. When you have concrete, like, undeniable evidence when it is about as cut and dry black and white as a case you can get. This wasn't, you know, one person's word against another or three versus, like, it was, like, no, it's filmed. There, There is concrete physical evidence of what happened this wasn't um you know it was wasn't provoked it wasn't initiated by tatusis um like there is video evidence of what happened and even in a case where it is cut and dry as you could possibly get um it is the most minimal charge that the police could lay is the one they laid and they only did it against one of the three now and they're and they're indicating it's not racially motivated and I understand that in the system we have, you need to prove things and they need to be cautious. So I'm not trying to lay charges beyond what they can prove. But again, I go back to like, if they're not going to protect marginalized people from violence coming from the majority, you lose the argument. Oh, but what would you do if there weren't any police who would protect you? Because they're yeah. not fucking protecting people. Now. Exactly. They're not like, they're not protecting Tatusis now yeah um so and we'll see what comes of it maybe 
against all odds, there'll be enough public pressure that they do look at further charges. Uh, yeah. I, 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 the optimist in me would like to see that. Um, yeah, I, I don't see, I, I don't, I, but, the cynic in me doesn't see it happening. <laughs> well, and like, if it does come like, again, this is maybe the damned if they do, damned if they don't. If they do, if they do, like this is what they need to do to continue having any sort of credibility, right? Like, it's we're we're now after years of seeing the under the the oh sorry after years of seeing the over policing of marginalized yeah. community and the violence that police do to people within marginalized communities. We've had some fairly big examples of the under policing. Um, you know, with Gerald Stanley with this, um, mm -hmm. in the US with the mass shootings with the police standing by and I not stopping them or not doing anything to yeah. protect people in those cases. Like we're really starting to see both sides of the over policing and the under policing. Um yeah. and at some point, even if it is just for politics, it, it it's the optimistic cynic in me thinks at some point they got to at least try and protect the optics of what they do in situations like this. Yeah. there. I mean, the trouble is right. That we can't, there's no true mechanism for holding them accountable. No, there really it's, is. it's all just like optics and aesthetics and it's all just like the appearance of security. Like it's very, I don't know. We're, we are in a province where uh, SGI reports over 400 impaired driving charges and suspensions in June. They say over 400 in the headline, but it's 482, so it's just yeah. under 500. Um, the original headline was almost 500, and then they changed the headline from almost 500 <laughs> to over 400. I don't know why they made the change, whether to make it sound worse or better. I don't know. I just yeah. found that interesting that the original headline said almost 500 and then it got changed to over 400. Somebody wanted to downplay it a little bit. <laughs> downplay or uplay? I don't know. What, I don't know what actually sounds like a, yeah, a more that's significant. True. So yeah. anyways. But yeah, so uh, according to an SGI news release, police across Saskatchewan recorded 319 criminal code charges related to impaired driving in the month of June. Um, 482 tickets for not wearing a seatbelt or not having children in the proper car seat or booster, 831 tickets for distracted driving, including 719 for using a cell phone while driving, and 5,336 tickets for speeding or aggressive driving offenses. And I, obviously police abolitionists, but I fucking hate people who speed in the city and then drive 10 kilometers under the speed limit when we get on the highway. <laughs> Drives me crazy. <laughs> Why did you have to go 90 in the 70 so you could not go 90 in the 100? Like, come yeah, on. Fair. <laughs> yeah. I, yeah. I've said this. I, I, I say this uh, from time to time just to see the reactions on people's face. There is nothing, nothing in the world that will make a tough on crime, hard on criminals conservative diehard switch to a Gadsden flag don't step on me libertarian <laughs> like suggesting like traffic, jail yeah. time for traffic tickets Yeah, you suggest jail time for a speeding ticket holy sh and, and like not reckless driving just say no no let's just even 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 speeding cameras you say yeah. that you know don't, if you don't want to do the time, don't do the crime. And you say that guy who was you know smoking pot back when pot was illegal or 
littering or selling bootleg CDs or what have you deserve to be shot by cops? Okay, fine. If you think the guy doing drugs deserves to be shot by cops, how about a mandatory one day in jail if you get caught speeding? And all of a sudden, it's not tough on crime anymore. (laughs) And to be fair, to be clear, I don't necessarily agree with that. I just think if I were to judge the impact on people other than the one breaking the law, I am far more impacted by the guy that is speeding on the road I drive on than the guy doing heroin in his own house. I'm not affected by him. Like my my safety. Now the criminal enterprises that go around that can be dangerous because we have prohibition of, of substances. So that causes violence in the, in the surrounding activities when it comes to drugs, but the doing of drugs themselves you could talk about the greater social impact and all of that, but like direct violence to me, I am not going to suffer any violence from the guy doing heroin. I am going to suffer violence from the guy who crashes into my car. Yep. That's right. Or the guy so who passes you uh, unsafely or like, or the drunk driver, because we're initially talking about almost 500 impaired driving offenses in uh, the month. <laughs> so yeah. we, yeah. And although we, again, this is one of my, my things I've latched onto, um, the population as a whole still has a better record than the Sask party does. <laughs> Percentage wise, uh, yes. the candidates yeah. in the last, in the last provincial election, Eric Olison, Manny Sadra, Scott Moe, Terry Jensen, Don McMorris, Terry Dennis. <laughs> we have drunk driving convictions, uh, convictions, yeah. not even arrests, convictions ranging all the way from uh, 1978 for Terry Dennis all the way up to 2016 while in office right. for Don McMorris. Yeah. Um, Scott Mose was in 1992. So again, we're going a ways back for his. Um, he's had one conviction, one additional, um, I don't know if you call it an arrest, but he fled the scene of the crime, I believe, for one of them. Um, that they So they couldn't prove that there was alcohol involved. And then, of course, the woman he killed. Um, yeah. Which, again, no no proof that alcohol was involved for that one. So, Just um, to be clear. But yeah, we, we've, <laughs> we've got a political climate where drunk driving is not really viewed as a serious thing. Yeah, that's right. And we had NDP candidates. Um yeah. Uh, with with charges as well, who also were able to run without consequence. So um again, be, and I th- even with drunk driving convictions. So that seems to be like uh, a bit of the culture in Saskatchewan. Like that's not necessarily I mean, sure, percentage wise, you're looking at a higher rate in the elected officials. <laughs> but uh just in general, I think it we do have a, a pretty permissive culture about sort of drinking and driving in Saskatchewan, um, where the kind of thing where everybody will say, no, I don't do it, but then they'll go out and they'll drive home all the time. And yeah, no. And, and, and like, I know, I don't to say like, and it's a drug charge. Like it is a yeah. drug drinking and driving. Driving is a drug crime. It Alcohol yes. is a drug. And, and you are <laughs> driving while after having used alcohol, you are consuming a drug in an illegal way. Yeah, like it blows my mind <laughs> that things like using a drug that isn't alcohol is treated as this horrific 
life-destroying thing. And not from a health perspective. We don't treat it as, hey, this is an addiction. It is a, a health issue, a health concern that we should treat as a health concern. Because yes, addictions absolutely can have negative impacts on lives. No, we treat it as this a criminal thing that needs to be treated incredibly uh, critically and seriously and, and in terms of severe punishments, Yeah. but then drinking and driving, eh, it's a thing you do. No big deal. Yeah, that's right. I remember, and I've talked about this one before, but it was a while back. I remember when I, I first met uh, my ex-wife's family, I remember one of the, the uncles literally teaching 16 year olds what to do if you get in a car accident after you've been drinking and driving so that you mm-hmm. don't get arrested and you don't get caught. And I'm not going to yeah. talk about those tricks here, but like was literally teaching 16 year olds how to get away with drinking and driving when they get caught. Not, yeah. Hey, don't do this. Not, Hey, here's my number. You know Call if me you're, <laughs> if you're out drinking. Um, you know, I will come pick you up. Do not drive. Yeah. Goes, no, no. If you if you get in a car accident, here are the things you do after the fact so that you don't get in trouble for drinking and driving. It's really it's literally strange. being taught to sixteen year olds, being taught to children. Uh, Blows it's really my strange. Mind. Yeah, the the laws that we that uh, culturally people in Saskatchewan choose to consider important, and the laws that we choose to not consider important is, and then call themselves tough on crime. Yeah. So, Jaskarat uh, Sidhu was sentenced to eight years after he pled, pleaded guilty to dangerous driving charges for the 2018 crash that killed 16 and injured 13. And he gets, uh, he was granted day parole, which <clears throat> means that he's got day parole for six months. So, this is, in my opinion, like a good move, like... Uh, I mean, we've talked, we're, we're talking about being hard on crime drivers a little bit, but, um, I view this as an accident that this person was like, he was very remorseful about and, and he has been cooperative with the system. He hasn't tried to avoid anything. He's gone full in with, uh, taking responsibility for, uh, his actions. He was he was charged in a way that we've never charged anybody before uh, because we don't charge per victim of an accident. We charge for the accident. Um, but he was charged and sentenced more based on the number of uh, victims in the accident than uh, and And now he's got his day parole for the next six months. And if, if he is, if he follows all the conditions, including no contact with the families of the victims, he will get full parole after six months. <clears throat> and I was reading this article before uh, before we started recording, and the 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 statements from the families, like I understand that they're hurt or they're and, and they're suffering as well. I don't want to I don't want to diminish their suffering, but I think that there's a lot of intolerance and and backwards thinking going on when they say that they the families are like uh disappointed and the, they don't have any sympathy for Sidhu and his family as well like I, I really think that it's uh i guess it's one of these hurt people hurt people kind of situations so they uh, i guess i don't know well and it's it's interesting the article um framing of things as well um uh, mm. because 
there have been lots of other articles about this story where they talk to many of the family members of those who died in the accident who support Sadhu. Right. Have met with him and have said um, they believe he should receive parole and they want him to stay in Canada. And um, they have like sympathy for him. Uh, and, and it it is an interesting choice to not talk about any of that in the article. Um, yeah. yeah. Um, they very much focus on the ones that were disappointed yeah. and frustrated by the decision. And like, there are also articles that I've seen where it is the other way around too. So maybe that's where this balance comes in. It, it's, um, yeah. Yeah. But, Editorial decisions are often. <laughs> yeah. So you hard, can report on the facts, just, but also, yeah. you know, yeah. yeah, I don't know. I, I saw multiple articles of, of this on Facebook and it was, I was pretty heartened by a lot of the comments I saw actually, like it wasn't a lot of bigotry and anger. It was very many people were very like compassionate and understood that this was, you know, justified and that he's suffered as well and that he's been very cooperative and uh, a lot of positive comments on, on Facebook, which is really weird, but <laughs> I was quite, I was quite happy to see that. Um, but yeah, I don't know. This article from star Saskatoon star Phoenix is, uh, not my favorite on the subject um there was an article from a few months ago before the it wasn't about this decision but it was about sort of the lead lead into it and around the deportation prospect um and what i found really um upsetting were um were, were families who who were in support of um uh, sidhu who who felt judged and attacked for supporting him um right and that was that was sort of disheartening to read as well but yeah yeah i honestly i don't fully grasp the anger that people have about this subject it's a tragedy it's sad we should be feeling sad about it right like we shouldn't be angry yeah well and it what i also find troubling um is i'm not seeing any of that anger directed at the underlying causes oh like, yeah you have an accident occurring at an intersection that has had frequent accidents over the years it is yeah. this is not the first accident that's happened at that intersection there have been repeat multiple um uh cases or uh, reports of that intersection being a dangerous one, the stop sign not being um, visible. Like there, there are issues that have happened at this accident and that have been reported over the years and nothing was done about it. And you have a trucking industry that puts truck drivers under pretty extreme pressure to operate tired. Yeah. Like to, why? To the why? point. Yeah. I'm really frustrated whether it wasn't more angry at that. Like, why yeah. are we not angry at the truck companies who create situations where this is going to happen again? Because no matter what happens with Sidhu again, I don't see him 
likely to cause another accident. Like, I know that's right. I, I, I'll be shocked if the man drives again. Um, and maybe he, he does. I don't know what happened with his license and, and maybe yeah. he processes things differently. But if he gets behind the wheel of a vehicle again, I will a be shocked and b with a fairly strong degree of certainty that he is going to be an incredibly cautious driver. Um, I'm 100% certain on the other end of the spectrum that there's going to be another truck driver somewhere who is driving while exhausted, barely mm -hmm. staying awake because they have to get a 16 hour drive done in, you know, before they can get to where they need to get to. And yep. they're pushing themselves because they have to in order to keep their job or to yep. make enough money. And we don't have strict enough regulations around hours and keeping log books and all of that and none of that ever got brought up with the trucker protests <laughs> and we're going to see deaths come about because of that again we, we will yeah. like that is just inevitable because we've created these conditions that are primed for truck drivers driving off the road or driving into oncoming traffic or blowing through a stop sign or missing a light like that's going to happen again yep and we don't have anger about that we don't have any sort of momentum towards preventing the next tragedy instead we're far far more focused on punishing someone for the last right. one so uh i could have put this after the eight thousand dollars that they blew on a private jet <laughs> uh, but they finally they're the underfunded saskatchewan uh education budget uh, has 20 million added to it uh, to help with rising costs of fuel and insurance for the 2022-23 school year. <sighs> yeah. yeah. With this investment, in addition to the province's original education budget, school funding exceeds 2 billion for the first time in Saskatchewan's history. As though, like, that's, like... They don't in the modern age. anywhere in the entire <laughs> article. <laughs> and, <laughs> like, and, I, yeah. <laughs> In the modern age, you don't get points for spending more than ever before. <laughs> Everything costs more. It's just you have the government has to spend more money. If they don't, then they're losing people. Then they're doing something. Per, per wrong. student, it is a record low, even yeah. before you take into account inflation. And once you take into account inflation, it is even Absurd. more of a record low spending. We are we are spending less per student than we have ever spent um in in sort of modern history like but the number sure sounds you, real big yeah, so i'm sure if you go back a hundred years it'll be different although maybe not i don't know i, I didn't look for that far back but right um, yeah S certainly in the last 30 to 40 years this is a record low of spending per per student um with using inflation adjusted dollars but by a long stretch so yeah but the number looks big Two billion is a big number, so that's yeah, that's that's all we have to look at, right? Uh, yeah, and and also of important to note, it's a one-time thing. This isn't this isn't additional ongoing funding. It is a one-time injection of twenty million, which means it can't actually be used to fund anything on an ongoing right. basis. Yeah, no, this is, it's just to shore up costs that are coming right now. Yeah. Okay. I don't know what else to say about that. <laughs> we live in a, a weird province sometimes. We we do. It's 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 weird when I talk to conservatives who get who think 
looking at things per capita is some left-wing plot is like, <laughs> like I've literally had someone say, you lefties are always doing this per capita thing. I'm like, correct. <laughs> like, that, yes. That is how you look at spending. Like, um, if you have one child, like you're a family and you have one child and you spend $500 on toys for them. And then you have a second child and now you spend $600 on toys. That's still 300. Now don't get me wrong. Like sometimes families have to do that and downsize and all that. But like, yep. we are bragging about having more people. That's considered a positive thing. We have a larger tax base. <laughs> they can't fund education because that way people won't understand that per capita is the correct measurement for these things. <laughs> there was uh, some people, some people defaced the pride crosswalk in Warman, Saskatchewan. Twice within the last two weeks, which was, this was posted on July 21st. And like, <clears throat> I mean, this is, this is the rhetoric that comes out of, uh, Trumpish stuff. This is the far right coming out of the United States, Marjorie Taylor Greene and Tarina Shaw and, uh, like this equivalence, this false equivalence of, uh, uh, LGBT pride with, uh, pedophilia and, and stuff. And it's just bigotry in fucking, and, there's a, a Genesis 1924 uh, is put on there and like as though the Bible gets to decide anything in, in real life. So, yeah, I, I saw this and I thought like this is Warman. It's not a very big community, but it's nice that they had a pride crosswalk and it's frustrating that it got defaced that way. Yeah, I, it's one of those things where stories like this come out. And you hear countless people use the phrase, this isn't who we are. Um, right. Yeah, it is. Yeah, it is. Like, this is the <laughs> inevitable culmination of supporting people who believe this shit. Like, yeah. you, you can't vote for people who believe in this stuff and support advertisements on radio shows of people who believe this stuff. If you're then say this isn't who we are yeah. when it comes to its natural combination. So That's the University of Saskatchewan passes a new policy to verify indigenous identity. And uh yeah, the name of the policy it <sighs> me yeah, okay. Debwe we win. Salto yeah, in salt in Salto, Tapwe win in Mishif and Tapwe win in Cree means truth to self, truth to each other, truth to the ancestors, and truth to the land. So that's the name of the policy, which is about getting to the bottom, making sure that uh, people who are taking on roles uh, for Indigenous people are actually have Indigenous heritage or are Indigenous. So, yeah. And, I mean, I think we kind of talked about Kerry Barasa when the story was new, it, it made a lot of headlines. A lot of people were talking about it at the time. Uh, and this is a, a thing that happens across the country and happens more often than it should. And there does have to be some sort of idea put in place to stop it from happening. But I'm, I'm just not sure what the right way to do it is. And One of the things I found most troubling about the story is the very, very 
last sentence, which is consultation with First Nations communities on implementation is set to begin in August. <laughs> so, so you came up the, with the policy. The first, the first sentence is <laughs> the University of Saskatchewan has approved a new policy. And your last sentence is consultation with First Nations communities on implementation is set to begin in August. Yeah, that's problematic. Like, yep. Now, what that might be saying is that there was already negotiation done on the policy and, and consultation done on the policy in the first place. And now there's going to be even further consultation around um, the implementation piece. So I really hope that that's right. what it is. Um, yeah. Um, but I, I didn't see indication of that in the story. So, um, again, this may be one that we need to look into a bit more. Again, just when relaying, you know, you and I are a lot, or at least I'm a lot more on the giving my opinion on shit stuff as opposed to just straight up telling people the news story. But like this one is going to, again, be pretty primarily just communicating the story. Um, yeah. But again, the, the one thing that I, I would hope is that regardless of what direction this policy goes with, whether even having the policy is a good idea, what that looks like, how it's implemented, all of that stuff needs to come from Indigenous peoples. Like, that that should be first and foremost the number one priority in this policy, and that should be at every step of the process, so. Yeah. Yeah, like you say, it doesn't say they didn't have... Uh, communication with indigenous peoples uh, for the before the approval. So maybe maybe we can hope that we 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 had a lot more stories from CTV this week than we normally do. Like the reference material was very CTV heavy, and I'm beginning to have a like pretty um, uh, uh, <laughs> biased against CTV. <laughs> uh, yeah, like the CTV were yeah. I, I like normally I and I again I don't want to do the Trumpist like blame the mainstream media stuff, but the CTV articles this week have had some pretty glaring editorial decisions yeah, within them. That's true. There, there's been some pretty heavy editorializing within them and what is covered and what isn't. So, <laughs> Yeah. Perhaps uh, next week uh, or next time in a month, I will, uh, I'll try to get two or three of the same story just to compare from different sources. That'd be interesting. Yeah see what they look like you could i can yeah it's like normally i'm the other way around where i'm like that freaking press progress there are all a bunch of like, <laughs> uh, um but yeah the ctv well, maybe is, they need a little more press progress in yeah get, get a little more press progress <laughs> all right well that's all for tonight so uh you can find us at anchor.fm slash from many peoples our twitter is at skpoliticspod our Facebook is facebook.com slash from many people's strength pod. All our show notes are at skepticalleftist.wordpress.com or skepticalleftistpod.wordpress.com. I had to make it too complicated. And our email is from many peoples at gmail.com or you can support us by giving us some money at buymeacoffee.com slash from many peoples. Well, thank you, David. Thank you, Corey, as always. Uh, thanks for the hard work you do. And I will uh, see you in four weeks. That. Hopefully Enjoy we'll have a your... quiet four weeks. <laughs> Enjoy your time off. <laughs> I sure will. Take care.